This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Are you ready? Let's get it started. The 2018 NFL Draft is now officially open. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Now, remember, this is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels across the industry standard, high school, college, NFL draft, you name it, we cover it. Now, remember, you can always follow and interact with us on all social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even join our Discord, and that's at prospects 101 pod at prospects 101 pod we're always manning those social media channels so feel free to interact with us during the show after the show if you listen to the show you love something that you hear go ahead and send us a tweet again we love interacting with our fans anyways my name is brandon glester i'll be the host for this show and as always i'm joined by kenny keller what's up everybody hope everybody's safe and well and brandon pastel What's up, everybody? Hope you guys enjoy my way too early 2021 mock draft. That's that's right, and and that's a perfect segue, Brandon, because that is exactly what we're doing today. We are doing Brandon Pastel's <laughs> way too early 2021 <laughs> NFL mock draft, <laughs> guys. We <laughs> have 11 <laughs> months to go, but we're doing it now. Let's go. It's going to be so accurate, though. Like, why wait yeah. 11 months when you can get the answers right now? <laughs> Com- coming from the guy who probably got five right of his most recent one. I mean, how many mock drafts have we done, guys? I mean, I remember when this was a little bit of revisionist history, but when we did the XFL show, do you remember us doing a mock draft for the XFL? Yeah. It, like, yeah, you guys were god awful. We didn't even know half those Well, players. I got my players right. So terrible. Well, n- none of those <laughs> no. guys got picked. Remember, we picked up a bunch, picked up like Terrence Williams. Yeah. Um, who is the guy from Oklahoma? Ryan, Ryan Broyles. Oh, Ryan oh Broyles. we thought he was going to be a stud. Ryan Broyles. Didn't even <laughs> he make sucked. It. He went back to real estate. <laughs> he went back to real estate. Uh, so we've done mock drafts, but I can tell you that this is not a mock draft of a startup league. This is a mock draft for the 
National Football League, based on prospects, again, Prospects 101, that's what we talk about here in the show, uh, based on who we think are going to be top 2021 prospects uh, going into the 2021 draft. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and start us off and talk a little bit about, one, how you got the draft order that we're going to cover today, and two, how did you do your mock okay. draft? Okay, so for the draft order, just to keep it clean and fair, we went off of Las Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl. So, which is funny, our top three favorite teams, the Jaguars, number one, <laughs> Redskins, number two, and the Bengals, number three. Uh, but that's how we went through it. So Not it wasn't good. like my, me Not thinking the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to tank this year and they're going to be number one pick. Or if you don't like how, how low the Cowboys are, don't, don't blame me, just blame Vegas odds. And that's how we roll with it. I can already tell I'm going to get crap for saying certain things like Carolina's not going to be number four. Like, boo-hoo. It's Vegas odds. Get over it. And don't worry too much about necessarily what team is picking who. Think about really where those prospects are falling. Uh, when you talk about a way-too-early mock draft, that's really what you need to be paying attention to because there is one one key thing to note. When you look at a lot of these mock drafts, usually you do see about 70% of those players usually fall on day one or day two. So you can at least get a good grasp when you go into the college football season of really mm-hmm. prospects – to look for that are potential round ones. Now, I'm going to whiff on a few. Well, maybe. These guys will probably whiff on a few. I'm going to be pretty accurate with my mock draft. Uh, <laughs> uh, here, we here we go. But as far as, the criteria, as far as criteria, this is mostly who I would pick, and it goes a little bit on what team needs what I think will be next year and really kind of like some, some scheme fit, but that's really only about 20 25% of it. Really about 75% of it is like who I think deserves to be a first-round pick, and I kind of just fit them in with the team that I think could use them. Now, the one alibi is if a team is picking early, and I'm just for, like, if necessarily they don't need a quarterback now, but if they're picking early next year, they probably need a quarterback. Um, so that's kind of like the one outlier with all this is that mm-hmm. draft position did kind of dictate where I did put a few players on that team. Right. So in essence, you're saying like if the Jags – you know, they might not need a quarterback in most people's eyes because of Gardner Minshew, but if they're picking number one next year, it's probably because he play, played pretty bad. 100%. Got it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, Brandon. I think you bring up a great point. A lot of these mock drafts really lay out to football fans who are the good initial prospects that people are looking at. Now, one caveat to this is there's an entire college football <laughs> season still to be played to where a lot of this can and change, right? Right? Just, and and it, that's right. Speak it to existence. That's right. LeVar Ball. You know, but, you know, so for example, if a guy like Justin Fields has a crappy 2020 college football season, Ohio State goes 7-5, and right? Not necessarily probably in the first round going into the 2021 draft, but here he is somewhere in this first round simply because – the talent is well, there. So I think that's something really good to note about a lot of mock drafts is it really introduces you to a lot of these players going into the college football season, which, to Kenny's point, will well, happen. And, and remember, last year at this time, Joe Burrow was a sixth-round, fifth, sixth-round prospect. And we, and we all know point. what happened this year. And who was the number one cornerback, cornerback on most people's mock drafts was Bryce Hall, the UVA Bryce Hall from corner. Virginia. And where yeah. did he go? Fifth round this year? Well, yeah, because he shattered his ankle. No, just saying. Yeah. Well, a lot of things change. A lot of things change when a football season starts. Injuries, uh, how they actually play, combine, pro days. A lot can change between now and then. But, guys, 
That's what makes mock drafts exactly. so much fun. So without further ado, we are going to go ahead and get started. How I'm going to do it is we're going to stop with or we're going to start with the first 10 picks. I'm going to go through the first 10, announce them, and then we're going to discuss it. Then we'll do the second, and then we'll do the third batch. Let's go. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ugh. Kenny Keller's team, with the number one overall pick, does not stun the world here. And they go with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Yeah. No surprise there. My yeah. Washington Redskins at pick number two, Justin Fields. Now, that one's interesting, and I'm going to cover that when we're done because that means a lot of things happened in D.C. Number three, the Bengals. Uh, some needs here. They go Penny uh, Sewell out of Oregon. A lot to say he's the best offensive line prospect to come out in a long time. Panthers at number four go with Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Jets at five go Gregory Rousseau, defensive end. Did I pronounce that last name right? Yeah, Rousseau. Rousseau. Yeah. Yep. Rousseau, yep. defensive end out of Miami. 6'5", 260, nice-sized kid. The Giants at number six ironically pick – oh, no, I'm sorry. They picked four this past year. At six, they go with the – some think the best receiver in the draft, Jamar Chase, LSU. At seven, the Detroit Lions stun the world here and go Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. Would be the second time in in six years where a North Dakota State quarterback goes in the top ten. Be interesting. Yeah. Number eight, Miami Dolphins, Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State. And the Miami Dolphins also have the ninth pick where they go Rashad Bateman. Receiver out of Minnesota. Minnesota. And then to round out the top 10, the Denver Broncos pick Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle, Florida State. All right, guys. So uh, let's go ahead and break that down, Pastor. I want you to kick yeah. this off. So I'm just going to quickly validate some picks, and you're probably like, what the heck? So obviously, if the Redskins are picking number two, then the, the Haskins experiment is done. Uh, there's already talks about the. That's they're already good. talking about picking Tua this not year. Good. So if it's another year down the road and you have a you have a yeah. probably, that would suck to have another Ohio State guy come in and beat you out for SQB. But Justin Fields, uh, and then he's number two. Another yeah. probably controversial pick that I would say that probably people are thinking like why would he go there is probably Trey Lance, right, to the Detroit Lions. One, so on my top five rankings, he was actually my fifth ranked quarterback. But I think people are going to fall in love. I mean, fall in love with this uh, production and potential. Um, and obviously, if the Detroit Lions are picking seventh, then I just think at this point, that team needs to start looking for the future. And I don't know if Matt Stafford necessarily is that guy, but Trey Lance, from a prospect standpoint, just offers so many different things. And as a redshirt sophomore, a coach, because any good coach thinks they can bring out the best of any player, and they're going to see that skill set and be like, oh my God, if I can get the best out of Trey Lance, he could be the second best quarterback in this draft, and that's over Justin Fields. Uh, I don't think anyone's surpassing Trevor Lawrence necessarily at this moment. But other than that, Rashad Bateman, num number nine, I think uh, with the pick of Wyatt David, Wyatt Davis going eight to the Miami Dolphins, I think you start you start surrounding Tua with the skill players. And I think Rashad Bateman will be that ascending wide receiver in college football this year. And I think he's just going to rise up with Tanner Morgan at quarterback to be the second best receiver. And I think he's going to fit perfectly in the Miami uh, system. But what, what was y'all's thoughts on it? So, uh, you know, to be honest, you, the one you said that was controversial with the Lions, I don't think that was very controversial. I actually like that pick. You know, I, I think Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite. I think he's, you know, 
a top 15 QB in the league, but I think I think he's getting older. He's had back issues. I think it's high time the the Lions probably start looking at to groom their next guy. You know, I, I honestly I liked a lot of the top 10 picks. The one that was really a head scratcher for me is Wyatt Davis, a yep. guard out of Ohio State in the in the top 10. I when's the last time a guard's been picked in the top 10? I don't. I don't know. I can't remember the last time that's happened. And Brandon I, Sheriff. Yeah. Brandon Sheriff. But, the skins picked. But wasn't up, he? That's probably well, the last. Wasn't one. he? Wasn't he originally drafted with as being a right tackle in mind, and they moved him to right guard? He was. He was yeah. a tackle at Iowa, and he they put. They yeah, it's probably Quentin. Quentin Nelson. <laughs> was was he a top ten top ten pick? Quentin I thought Nelson? he was. No, he was a, he was in the he was in the twenties. He was. That's oh, what I'm saying. Man. Guards usually don't go top ten, man. So so, so but I, here's my here's my I, validation I, I on that. Go ahead. Well, let me finish first. From a from a from a value standpoint, I don't see it there. I think you can. I think you can. I think guard and center are the two positions you can kind of let fall to you later in the in the day two and, and get just as good as value. It's not the value in the pick. It's the value in Tua. And you got your left tackle this year at Andrew Thomas. So you do whatever you can to keep Tua healthy. And I don't care if you have to spend a top 10 pick on a center. That's how much Tua means to stay healthy in that offense. So you pick the best guard in this uh, team, in, in this draft because you only have two first-round picks. So you use your second round, your second first-round pick on him, and you just solidify, solidify that offensive line. It's not a value pick. The value comes with keeping Tua healthy, and you get the best guard to do it, and that's why I have him at nine. Is he my ninth-ranked player? Absolutely eight. not. He's, He's probably my 25th-best player. Sorry, eight, eight, but eight, eight, but Miami's eight and nine based because yeah. of trades. So pick one, one or the other, eight or nine doesn't matter. I mean, if he if they make that pick at like fifteen, I'm more on board with it. I don't know. I'm just not on board with picking a guard at eight. I think I think you can. I, you might not get the best guard in the second round, but I think you can get a starting caliber guard in the second round, and then get, and still make your team better by you know picking another player at eight. An elite, elite player. Yeah, a couple things that really stand out to me. Uh, Penny Sewell, uh, offensive tackle out of Oregon. I think this guy's a can't miss. I think if the Jaguars don't go Lawrence here, I think you can't miss with that guy going one overall. Uh, I'm actually surprised that the, the, the seems perfect for the skins here too with no Trent Williams there anymore. Uh, to be another anchor for another decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the Michael Parsons pick. We've covered him on a previous podcast. Uh, guy's going to be an absolute machine. Might be one of the best inside lineback, uh, linebacker prospects we've seen in a long time. Couple couple things to note. The Giants take another LSU wide receiver in Jamar Chase. A lot of people thought Jamar Chase could have came out this year. Been the best receiver mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. draft in an already ridiculous draft. And that was the other thing, Pastel, is top 10 here. You've got two receivers going in the top 10. That hasn't happened a whole lot. Yeah, no, it hasn't. And I, trust me, me and Kenny have talked extensively on picking receivers in the top 10. And I'm usually not for it. Unless it's an A.J. Green or Julio Jones, I don't think uh, receivers are worth pick top 10 picks. That being said, Jamar Chase, I would put almost on that level. And you're not going to get the six foot four, four three comparison like you did with Julio Jones. But I just think Jamar Chase is one. There's that much so much of a baller that his skill set alone is worthy of a top 10 pick. Not to mention the Giants, they just need that. They're missing it from Odell Beckman. The only person they have in that offense that teams need a scheme around is Saquon Barkley. So if you finally get him a receiver out there, out wide, then at least the defenses can start not stacking the box with eight players. Like, I mean, you're, you're really helping Saquon out with this pick more than anybody. And then Rashad yeah. Bateman, it's just unfortunate. It's just the, it's the way the draft works. Once you pick a position... That same position gets picked shortly thereafter because somebody thinks one A and there's one B. 
So the other team's going to get the other one, one A or one B. And I think Rashad Bateman, which I think, honestly, you could argue me probably more on if, if it should be Rashad Bateman. But I think Miami goes up and gets a receiver, whoever that receiver is. And now my pick would be Rashad Bateman. I know some other people would probably think Devontae Smith or somebody else. but. And now a word from our awesome sponsors. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. Yes, that's right, for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Last Dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Blue Chew! Guys, Looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? I don't know which guy isn't. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so now let's go ahead and get into the second batch, and... Number, pick number 11, we got the Atlanta Falcons on the clock, and they go Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida, 6'5", 240, really nice uh, size kid, certainly a tight end uh, that certainly definitely has first-round ability. Number 12, we got Pac, uh, Patrick Sertan, the second, cornerback out of Alabama. 13, we got Walker Little, offensive tackle out of Stanford. 14, we got the Las Vegas Raiders going Dylan Moses. Linebacker out of Alabama, so the Las Vegas Raiders take another Alabama player. 15, uh, we have the Cleveland Browns taking Hamsa Nasrildin. That is safety out of Florida State. 16, we've got Quincy Roach, edge rusher out of Miami. So that's the second edge rusher from Miami being taken here in the first round. Man, Pastel is so bullish on Miami this year. (laughs) The U is back. 17, we've got uh, the U is definitely not back. Travis (laughs) Travis <laughs> Etienne, running back out of Clemson. Running back off the board goes to Kenny's Jags. 18, we've got Creed Humphrey, another center interior lineman out of Oklahoma going against. That's the second interior lineman we've had taken here in the first round. 19, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama. If you guys haven't listened to our offensive lineman uh, 2021 breakdown, we certainly cover him at length there. Sir, so we'll cover him here shortly. And at 20, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Planning for the future and pick Jamie Newman from the University of Georgia to replace Ben Roethlisberger. And that rounds out yes, the picks 11 through 20. 
Hey, uh, one quick alibi real quick for the first 10 picks. I think I said Andrew Thomas went to Miami. I meant to say Austin uh, Jackson from the University of uh, Southern California was their offensive line pick, not Andrew Thomas. But go ahead, Kenny. I think you have something to say. Got it. No, I, I was going to say I, I like the 11 through 20 picks. Uh, I think Kyle Pitts is a little high. Um, I, I I do think he's a first-round tight end. I don't know if he's uh, in a, in a lead enough prospect to go at 11. Um, so that was kind of a, a surprise. I get the need is there because they lost Austin Hooper, but I just don't know if if drafting another offensive player is really what Atlanta needs at this point because I don't think that's their issue is offense. I think it's their defense. But I also I also kind of I, I love the pick of Jamie Newman and and I like not because I'm a Wake guy because uh, he is obviously from Wake and, and granted he's playing his he's playing his grad transfer year at jo- at Georgia but. <laughs> I, I do think he's a very similar quarterback to Big Ben. That's a very good pro. That's a very good pro comparison. Six four two thirty, moves well in the pocket. Isn't necessarily an elite athlete, but can navigate the pocket. And remember, the one strength Big Ben's always had has been able to kind of shed those arm tackles in the pocket, keep the play going. And it was almost like those things, like man, I can't believe he wasn't down. But other than that, I thought I thought every pick was was pretty was pretty spot on. I was kind of interested. To see you pick the have the Vikings take another interior offensive lineman. You know what? What is your what was your thought process behind that, Brandon? It's it's unfortunately they can't draft well is is my analysis. And I think Garrett Bradbury, I think it was an NC State offensive lineman, uh, it hasn't worked out. And I don't think he's going to work out. I don't think he was a good prospect to begin with. Their whole offensive line honestly struggled, and it's unfortunate because it's all filled with big time names and high round picks. So are you just gonna? swallow that humble pill and just pick a, another lineman or are you just going to like down your own sword and i think the smart pick for uh, minnesota is to continue to protect cousins i mean we've already talked about how important the offensive line is in other segments and i think you have to continue to protect them as well as dalvin cook give them some running holes and i think creed humphrey is the best uh outside of wyatt davis interior lineman he can play both guard and center that's the great thing about him as well couple players I really like on this list. Alex Leatherwood talked about him extensively in our top five offensive lineman episode. Really like this kid. I think he's going to be an NFL offensive lineman for a decade. I think he's a guy that's going to be super reliable. He can pass block well. He can run block well. He can play the left side, play the right side. Super versatile. I think the Chargers get a steal here with him at 19. Travis Etienne, in my opinion, is the best running back here in this draft as far mm-hmm. as a running back prospect he bye is bye, a home run threat that's right yeah fournette is, is yeah they bye didn't, bye they didn't pick that. up his, that makes sense they didn't pick up his, his option, option. Yeah. they didn't pick his, his option so makes sense that they replace him and maybe the value is too good here with travis etienne on the board and again a home run threat with the ball in his hands when he gets the ball uh a couple other guys here that i really like dylan moses this guy's a stud uh, I think outside of Michael Parsons, I think he's the best linebacker in the draft, second-level player. Walker Little is an interesting one because there's a lot of analysts and scouts and people that rip down film that have a hard time with him and then the other Stanford tackle. Some like Walker Little. Some don't like Walker Little. Some think that he still has a lot to prove here this year in the 2020 college football season. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with him. Pa- yeah. Pastel, what okay. – if Travis Etienne has a season like he's had the past two years, do you really think he falls all the way to seventeen? I feel like that's a that's a pretty big drop because I think well, I think that I don't know if he's he's not I don't think he's a top five pick, but 
I mean, I think I think if he has a season like he's had the past two years, you could make an argument anywhere from like eight to yeah, you know, fourteen. He's probably going to go. I mean, there wasn't a there was one first round running back this past year. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the last pick in the first round to the Kansas City Chiefs. So I mean, I think people are finally understanding that unless he is a top five player. Running backs won't get drafted until the end of the first round, but most most running backs get drafted in the second round. Uh, I can see, honestly, probably the one place that I think fits best is, I don't know, Same. Atlanta Falcons at, at 11. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, I was going to say Arizona. Could you imagine putting him with Kyler, uh, Travis Etienne with Kyler and uh, Hopkins? Correct, but Kenyon Drake played Ooh. out of his mind this past year, and he earned that starting spot. Where I would argue Atlanta, Todd Gurley, we don't know what we're going to get with him. And if we don't get what we think is the old Todd Gurley, which I think we can all agree that he probably won't. If he does sustain it, it'll be for one year, one or two years top with that uh, degrading knee. I think Atlanta Falcons would be a good pick for him. But to pick, and I, I know Kyle Pitts, I think some people probably think he's too high. I do think he's in a class of his own for that type of athletic receive, receiving tight end. And I do believe that Matt Ryan does miss or will miss Austin Hooper. And I know they did just draft for Hurst, the Baltimore uh, Ravens tight end. I think they, they drafted traded a, him. Yep. Yeah, it's like a fourth or fifth round pick. But there's a reason mm-hmm. why the Ravens traded him after one year. So I don't think he's the answer in the Atlanta Falcons offense. And let's just be honest. like That's what Atlanta Falcons offense does. They are a high-octane offense. The tight end position is one of those kind of like that safety net that they always had outside of uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. So I think they're going to miss him, but a guy like Kyle Pitts, oh, man, it's going to be a dirty, dirty receiving core to include him as a tight end uh, yeah, with that Hay- team. Yeah, Hayden Hurst definitely isn't the answer. His uh, his two years in Baltimore have definitely proved that because he was uh, beaten out by Andrews, yeah. the other tight end from, from um, Oklahoma, yep. who was actually drafted later, uh, which is interesting. But – yeah, I, I do agree with you, well, though. I do agree with you. I think Kyle Pitts is in a league of his own in terms of tight end prospects. I think he's by far and away the number one tight end prospect in this draft. It's actually a great segue to get into our last batch of picks because don't look so fast, guys. We have another tight end coming <laughs> off the board here shortly. Pick number 21, the Indianapolis Colts go with Pat Fearmuth, tight end, Penn State. Some people call him Baby Gronk, I'm sure, or Little Gronk. We'll talk about him here in a bit. 22, the New England Patriots pick Sean Wade corner out of Ohio State. Buffalo Bills take Paul uh, Paulson Adebo, cornerback out of Stanford. Pick number 24, the Green Bay Packers select Devonta Smith, receiver out of Alabama. 25, the Philadelphia Eagles. Shocker, Brandon Pastel yeah. puts on a Virginia Tech player. Caleb Farley, corner out of Virginia <laughs> Tech. 26, Seattle Seahawks take Samuel Cosme, tackle out of Texas. At pick 27, Chubba Hubbard comes off the board to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Pick number 28, the Dallas Cowboys select Charles Snowden, linebacker out of uh, University of Virginia. Interesting prospect. I'm sure we'll get into him Mm -hmm. a little bit. Pick number 29, New Orleans Saints take Justin Ross, receiver out of Clemson. 30, the San Francisco 49ers take Andre Sisco, safety out of Syracuse. 31, the Baltimore Ravens take Joe Tryon, edge rusher out of the University of Washington. And then rounding out the first round, the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, take Cade Mays, interior lineman, out of the University of Tennessee. Don't give me that crap. That, just because I'm a Virginia Tech fan, that I put uh, 
Caleb Farley in the first uh, round. Oh, uh, you mean like all that all that talk earlier when I was about to say, hey, don't let your Virginia Tech bias you when you're like, yeah, Bryce Hall was the number one corner <laughs> last year. I'm neglecting to mention that he completely shattered his ankle. It was just the reason he fell into the fifth round. I'm telling you right now, Caleb Farley would not fall out of the first round next year. I mean, sell us all on right. him. What, what's you heard it here first. Yeah, sell us on it. Yeah, on sell us on it. it the, the, the dude might be probably the best zone coverage cornerback that we have in the draft and that's not a knock on him in man coverage just for whatever reason that defense switched up a little bit this past year and they didn't play as much man coverage as you would normally see a Virginia Tech defense play but this guy he only allowed 19 receptions and only gave up 265 yards with one touchdown this past year Uh, he was all ACC as a corner and the funny thing was he came into college as a receiver with 4-3 speed uh, he hurt his leg with the injury, a season injury his freshman year, and he converted to corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really, ever since then, he was a little sloppy, I'll, I'll admit, his first year at corner, but he put it all together this past year. The one thing I want to see with him is, like I said, play more press coverage uh, to see how that translates to the NFL. But I definitely believe that with his size, which he is six foot two, uh, around 200 pounds, so he's a bigger corner, but he's got the speed. I think you're going to see him run about a 4'4". Four, four, Low 4-4, mid-4-4s uh, in the combine, where I would argue a lot of these top corners in this year, you're not going to see that 4-3 speed that you've seen in the past, even low 4-4s. Four, I think a lot of these guys, even the guys I put, like Patrick Sertain earlier in the first round, I bet he runs probably a high 4-4 four, four or 40. Um, I don't think we got those burners like we normally are seeing mm-hmm. in the first round, but I just think his ball skills are out of this world. So I, I, the only reason his stock would drop is honestly if they expose him in, in press coverage this year. Well, as a as a former receiver, yeah, you, you he definitely has a an advantage over most cornerbacks. You know, being able to track the ball and, and knowing the offensive side of the ball the way he does, being a receiver. But yeah, that's my concern, Brandon. Is is he's a zone guy, and how much like if he can't play press, if he can't play man to man, would you pick a guy in the first round who can't play man to man, can't play man to man, or struggles in man to man if he's if he's only just a zone player? I mean, I think I would rather have a guy who can play who can play both sides of the field and blanket a number one receiver if I'm going to take him in the first round. But, I mean, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just just playing devil's advocate. So so the other good thing about him is his ball skills are phenomenal. I think Mm -hmm. he had four interceptions last year, but it's that receiving mentality and that type of go up and get the football Mm -hmm. that you really don't see in cornerbacks or defensive backs uh, in today's age. So I think that's going to be another selling point for him outside of just being a very well zone coverage corner is that he also has the interception uh, rate to go with it just because he's a ball hawk. NFL receivers are going to put him in a spin cycle. Uh, get out of here, man. <laughs> no. um, uh, speaking, of, spe- speaking of corners, I think the pick number 22 is Sean Wade. At, at I- I'm going to start calling cornerback university, which is Ooh. Ohio State University, because yep. all they do is just crank out first-round corners. I think that's a, a, that's a great pick, and, and that's something that Bill Belichick would certainly love. Devontae Smith. Uh, I think is the better Alabama receiver coming out, so I'm glad to see him on so the first round. Uh, he's going to look like the other two Alabama receivers that we saw this year. Very, very solid receiver. He's the third receiver already taken. And the guy that is very interesting to me, guys, Charles Snowden, linebacker yes. out of Virginia. Check this size out. 6'7", 235. I have never heard of a linebacker being 6'7". Yep. Dude, seven. so two two years ago, 
in the Virginia Tech Virginia game, he Brandon Pastel. I, I remember you and I were watching at your sister's. Yep. He absolutely dominated. Do you remember that? That was like scars. the first. I have that scars was like, from that game. <laughs> that was like the his coming out party, and I thought this year he was going to be better than he was, and he played well. The problem with him has been consistency, because there's games where he absolutely takes over, and nobody can block him, and he uses that size, that unbelievable, that freakish size. Like I mean, he's like a, a power forward out there, just rolling through the 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 offensive line, and and you know he had had a ton of batted balls at the line of scrimmage. He's a real weapon, but again, his biggest thing has just been consistency. Because again, there's games where he takes over, and then there's games where he's not even, you know, he, he he's not even mentioned in the yeah, statue. He, he gets lost for sure. Yeah. So, but the size is 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 extremely intriguing. Six seven, two thirty five. Uh, and he's a freak athlete. You know, the great thing about him, too, though, is it's kind of like, again, going to reference a Bengals player, but Carlos Dunlap, he always gets his hands up. He always bats down balls because yeah. he's, a, he's a big defensive end. Now, Charles Snowden, linebacker, he led the country in pass breakups for linebackers. Mm-hmm. And that's because of that wingspan. Mm-hmm. He keeps his hands up, which has got to be so frustrating for a line, for a tight end to run routes, knowing that the wingspan this guy has to just knock the ball out, even though he's probably five feet away from him. I, I think he's a very interesting prospect. Now his production doesn't isn't worthy of a first round pick. I mean, I think some mm-hmm. people I wouldn't be surprised if they have him as late as an early fourth round pick in some mocks. But my yeah. expectation yeah. with my criteria is one: I think he's going to have a very good senior year. So he's a raw prospect. So I think another year in the UVA defense, he's going to develop those skills. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, like I said, and Gless, Coach Gless, like let me know if I'm wrong on this, but every coach thinks they can harness whether it's like lack of motivation or yeah. not always putting it together 24-7. But if he's got the skill set and you've seen games where he can dominate, every coach thinks, all right, I can bring out the best of him. And that's why I think yeah. Dallas well, will. Yeah, it's all, it, it's all about the kid, right? And does he have the makeup to take that next, to take that next step? Because you can see talent and potential all over the place. But if the kid doesn't have the, the work ethic or doesn't have the drive to be the best – then he's probably not a kid that you want to take care, you know, take control of, uh, or at least take a chance on and waste your time mm-hmm. on, because uh, the kid's got to want it ultimately. But I think what's interesting about him, and, and I'd be curious to watch some film on him. And, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a whole lot of him. I would like to see the versatility for him. So, for example, can he play the mm-hmm. run just as much? as he is a disruption in the pass game, yeah. right? So if I'm a linebacker and I'm dropping back into a zone or I'm in man coverage and I have these long arms, like I can cover a lot of ground and I can cover a lot of windows, right, just because yeah. I'm a little bit longer. How does he, what does he do in the run game, right? Is it, does he fill his gap? Does he read his keys? Is he instinctive? Does he get tackle for losses? Is he a sideline-to-sideline side guy? And if he is all of that, then yes, absolutely. He will certainly be a first-round pick because not only is he in, an instinctual linebacker, but he's a guy that has length. And when you have length in the passing game, man, that's going to be fits for quarterbacks to try to throw windows when he's throw, when they're trying to throw to their side of the field. I would, I would, har- I would highly recommend, Gless, the film you go back and watch. The first one is the 2018 Virginia-Virginia Tech game. I'm telling you, that was one of the most impressive – performances i've ever seen from a defensive player so i would argue his strength actually is run defense i i just think they need to maximize his potential and pass coverage because of what he naturally brings to the uh to the game but he's actually a very good run defender i'll say this kind of switching gears here to the other side of the ball i think chuba hubbard going 27 
is a crime. A, he's the best. In my opinion, he's the best running back prospect in the draft. He's bigger than Travis Etienne. He's a home run that home run threat like Travis Etienne. He catches the ball just as well. I, I, I think he's an easy top fifteen pick. If he's the guy, if he's if there's a running back to go in the top ten, it's Chuba Hubbard. So if the if somehow the the Bucks end up getting him at twenty seven, a that'd be the steal of the draft. But B, he's not he's not going to be there at twenty seven. He's he's going to be the first running back off the board next year for sure. I mean, there's just so much talent in this. I mean, we just went over it, and I'm sure there's probably people listening to this right now saying, you forgot about X, you forgot about Y. You probably name off about 10 different people, and that's the thing with this draft class. It's so freaking deep. It's like, where do you start mm-hmm. dropping people? Where do you start putting people outside your first round? So I, Ch- I Chuba's one of the guys Chuba's one of the guys who changes an offense, in my opinion, even at, at the running back position. And I think that's the only time, in my opinion, that you probably take a running back in the first round is this guy's got to be able to change the offense, the dynamic of your offense. And Chuba is that guy. He, I, I, I think he's one of the most complete backs we've seen in a while. I love his size. Um, you know, he's six one two oh seven. Ran for two thousand yards last year, so the production's there. The size is there. The physical. He runs a four three forty. Like. I, the guy, what's not the love about him? You know, yeah, he might need to improve his pass blocking a little bit, but we covered that in our running back show a couple weeks ago. That's that's more willingness than anything. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll say one thing. I'll let you guys know as I as I was doing this draft, the one position I really struggled with was safety. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily. I did a lot of tape, and I, when I put the Florida State safety up there. Because he's shown improvement every single year. And I like to see that in a prospect. And there's not like, well, I don't know what happened in 2018. It's like, no, this guy has improved every single year. And if he continues to improve at 6'4", he's going to be one of those taller, Sean Taylor type of like looking safeties uh, that I think some some teams just not going to be able to pass on. But really, probably the, arguably the best safety as of today mm-hmm. was the Syracuse safety. The guy's a complete ball, uh, ball freak uh, in Andre Sisco. But there's probably four or five other uh, safeties out there that I could argue, I could be the devil's advocate and say like he's better than the Florida State safety or mm-hmm. the Syracuse safety. So it's a very hard position for me. I'll say what I just for this draft, it was hard for me to evaluate and really put one over the other. But those were the two I picked. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the safety position is we're starting to see it. The safety position, at least in recent yep. drafts, become a lot like the running back position where unless this guy is going to be an absolute game changer at the safety position, whether it's, you know, he's playing a free safety or is he going to be a strong safety and move into the box and be a little bit more of a hybrid, you don't see a lot of those guys being taken in the first round anymore. And, and they're starting to kind of fall the way of the running back, which I think is, which I think is interesting. And I'm not really sure the reason why, guys. Like, I don't, I don't have a really great reason why that is. I'd be really curious to ask – an, an NFL evaluator, um, well, NFL I, coach, you know, what, what, why is that? What, like, why, why are safeties not being taken like corners? Why are they not being taken like linebackers? Why are they not being taken like tackles? It's just, it's just interesting to me. I, think, that's all. I mean, my, my first gut off and seems just to kind of go off that is I see a lot more defenses running two linebacker sets with three or four corners back there. So I think they have a whole lot more value now in the cornerback position because what you used to think as your main cornerback, 
with the the way the receivers play today, he might be the receiver, the main receiver might be playing the slot, which means your best corner needs to be in the slot. So you need to have mm-hmm. three good corners, four good corners, because the offense's best receiver could be anywhere. It's not just the X anymore. It's not just the Y. It could be the Z. Uh, type of receiver at this point so i think from a safety standpoint like yeah go back there play sa- uh, center field but really i put a whole lot more value on having three or yeah. four good corners than i do as a safety so i think that's a really good segue in into what we'll cover to kind of uh end the show here but pastel i will first before i get into uh just kind of the prospects to watch segment very nicely done <laughs> without a college football season to lean on you actually put 32 prospects out there I, so i, I give it a b you sir Get out of here. A B. I give it a B. <laughs> I oh man. I hope Jacksonville picks number one next year and they pick they don't pick Trevor Lawrence. I'll take Justin Fields. I'm okay I hope with they that. Yeah, I don't know. I hope they pick Oh, I I think you'd be salty. I hope they pick like Brock Purdy. I, very I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be happy, but I'd be okay with Justin Fields. I think he's a baller too. I think he's pretty much just can't miss as Trevor Lawrence. He's not quite Trevor Lawrence's level, but I'd be happy with either one well, of them. Well, let me tell you what. Let me tell you this: If they're the number one overall pick and they don't pick a quarterback, that's probably pretty that, good because that means that Gardner Minshew balled out. In everyone else just sucks. That's probably everybody else is just terrible. But that's yeah. that's hard. How how everybody, often is, yeah. how often is that the case that you have a baller quarterback and you pick number one? Very rarely. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So what uh, in the show is we always with a prospect to know, guys. I speaking of safety. That's why I thought this was a really good uh, segue. Uh, Richard LeCount out of uh, safety out of Georgia. Guys, this, he averaged 50 tackles per season in the last three years on the Bulldog defense. As you guys know, Georgia's been one of the best defenses, not only in the SEC, but in the entire country. Mm-hmm. So when you have a three-year starter out there and coming up, he'll be – I'm sorry, he didn't start for three years. started the last two years, but he got playing time as a freshman. So he's coming up on essentially his third year starting – uh, mm-hmm. Seven turnovers he's created, so four four picks, three fumble recoveries. He's really a playmaker and has, is really the top safety on the board for a lot of teams. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to deal with really at the safety position, being able to play at such a high level, uh, you know, in the, in the SEC East with a lot of those receivers that they see on a week-to-week basis. So uh, I'd, I'd keep my eye out for this guy. I think this guy is going to climb up a lot of boards. As we start to get into college football season, as we start to see kind of those Mm -hmm. best safeties kind of go up, go down, big plays being made, I really think you're going to see this guy, and he's going to open up a lot of eyes at people who really don't know who this guy is. I I like this guy, Gless. He reminds me of those traditional center field type safeties, a guy who has tremendous ball instincts. He, he, He does a good job of not being faked out by a quarterback trying to look him off. You know, I... I like his instincts. He's a very instinctual player, and he made up one of the best defensive back units in the league last year. And he's probably and he's going to be probably the lead defensive back in you know the number two, three, four team in the country next year. So I really like him, and I I, I think he's a, a very good prospect. His size worries me a little bit because he's only 5'11", 190. So I think there's a little bit of you know a little bit of size issues especially where we're seeing safeties now at 62636464 kind of what we just talked about earlier but still you can't put a price on playmaking and that's what this guy is he's a playmaker he you know what he reminds me of he reminds me of a league hooker from Ohio State I thought you were going to say the uh, safety that played for the Colts what was his name again Bob Sanders no Bob no Sanders, no like Bob, Sanders, Bob Sanders Bob Sanders Bob Sanders wasn't a center fielder though man that guy was a downhill just blowing it, up it, dude he was yeah. everything he was a baller 
Yeah, Richard LeCount is really a center fielder, your typical free yeah. your typical free safety, not necessarily a strong safety. Yeah. So Yeah, uh with that, uh just kinda end the show here. Remember Prospects one oh one, you can follow us, follow the show, interact with the show, uh whenever you'd like on any social media channel. That's Facebook, YouTube, uh, well I'm sorry, Facebook, Twitter instagram that's at prospects 101 pod that's at prospects 101 pod uh again you could do it during the show you could throw you could throw a tweet out to us at one in the morning if you just so happen to be watching film and i will respond or kenny respond because we love talking yes analytics and how it has to do with prospects so please interact with the show uh and then for kenny for pastel and for myself we will talk to you guys next week